Welcome back to another episode of Bed Letter. I'm your host, Christian Ashelman, and this is the podcast where we chat a little bit about our psychohuman brains, a little about our loony human behavior, and a lot about how it all fits together. It looks like we have made it here to episode 21, so thank you to all those who have been tagging along. I really appreciate all of you for taking the time out of your day to listen to the podcast. It really means a lot to me. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, if you're interested in more of my work, you can head over to cashleman.com. That's C-A-S-H-L-I-M-A-N.com. That's where I post to my blog, and I have a page there that describes the different editing, tutoring, and mentoring services that I ha- offer as well. Um, tied with that, I also have a Patreon that gives you access to the Bedletter Community Discord server, um, a newsletter that I that uh, that I do, and more. So again, if you find any of that interesting, you can find all that information and a whole lot more over at my website, cashleman.com. So let's dive into the topic for today. The article is called "The Pandemic of Male Loneliness: The Hidden Sh- The Hidden Reason Men Struggle with Social Distancing." So this, um, I was kind of pouring through a couple different articles, and this one kind of jumped out at me. Um, there was a lot of somewhat interesting articles and different research that's been done over the last, you know, couple of weeks throughout February. But um, I don't know. This one just kind of seemed interesting. It was something that parts of that I could relate to, and uh, I don't know. It was it was good length. And it seemed pretty pretty interesting. It's not a lot of hard numbers. It's it's there's a little bit of conjecture and different things in there, but it's a lot to think about. So, um, it was published on Psychology Today, the website, on February twenty fourth, twenty twenty one, and it was written by David Brocker, uh, who has a PhD. And the article starts off by saying, uh, "We are all by we are all suffering from a certain amount of loneliness as a result of social distancing during the pandemic." The post focuses this post focuses on particular disadvantages faced by many boys and men males in our culture tend to rely on opportunistic socialization which is socializing while engaging in a shared activity for them feeling the need to actively reach out to others can trigger a shame response without uh, about appearing needy now keep in mind a lot of this stuff is average um, like I said, there's not a whole ton of numbers and stuff in this article, but a lot of this is averaged out. So it's not like, obviously not all men are this way, but, um, I can definitely see that to some extent, um, what they're saying for sure. But the, uh, obviously another thing that's important that I was just thinking about as I was reading the opener to the, this, this whole article was just the context of what that reaching out is, is, is pretty important. I feel like it's like, if you're reaching out about doing something, I wonder if, you know, men perceive that as different or perceive that differently than, um, if you're just reaching out to just, you know, shoot the shit and talk. So, um, the article goes on to say in Western culture, females are typically socialized to value building and maintaining relationships. They are encouraged to reach out to friends and preserve alliances. Males tend to be raised to be more achievement-oriented. For them, relations relationships are often relegated to a secondary benefit, a byproduct of shared activities like work, hobbies, and sports. 
Now, I won't say this is wrong, per se, but I do feel like society is actively moving away from this idea, right? We all have heard this idea a million times. Men don't cry, men are hard, stoic, they are achievement-oriented, blah, blah, blah. Um, I do feel like society is kind of actively moving, maybe not away, but just kind of more inclusive of of other things as well. It's not like being those things is terrible um, or having some of those attributes to some degree, right? Um, But yeah, so it says, uh, or so I do feel like society is kind of moving away from the idea that men are raised to be achievement oriented and such. But I do think that it's still true to an extent, right? But speaking personally, I feel like, you know, I was raised personally, just like on a micro level, I was raised to value. I feel like I was raised to value relationships more than my own achievements, to be honest. Um, and, and, and obviously, this is all context based. So some things it depends. But the hard thing is this, you know, what they're talking about is macro level analysis. And so my personal experience of how I was raised is kind of insignificant when it comes to like cultural trends and like what, how society sees and raises men and all that stuff. Right. So I don't know. It's, it's all contextual, contextual based and still it's interesting to kind of think about and realize. And and there's definitely some truth to it. Right. But anyway, so the article goes on for boys and men who rely on opportunistic socializing, keeping at least six feet apart minimizes a significant part of, of how they socialize. Also, with faces half-covered, facial expressions are obstructed, blocking the ability to even tell whether a stranger is open to engaging socially. All right. Well, that I mean, most of this paragraph is can be obvious. I mean, obviously, they're focusing on men and boys, but most of this paragraph can be equated across any to anybody, right? But this does resonate with me a lot right here. Although I won't, I won't lie. Um, I have not let COVID stop me from like you know hugging my pals and and and. You know, I don't know. Just, I mean, I do live with four of my friends, though, uh, are my roommates. And so, you know, but it is true. I see it frequently. Men are typically, they're very physical creatures. Um, I mean, every morning, <laughs> every morning, for example, one of my friends greets me with, uh, with, you know, a good old bean dip. And that's the same thing that, like, my brother does when I see him and stuff like that. And it's just a funny little thing. And if you don't know what that is, then, you know, you can go ahead and go Google it. Well, maybe, maybe you shouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> You'll probably just get pictures of guacamole. <laughs> anyway, so um, I don't know. It's just interesting. I, I definitely resonate with that. The whole six feet apart thing. In some situations, you can definitely tell that some people are a lot more adverse to like hugging or coming in for a handshake or whatever. But I do know that there's. You know, typically on a, a lot of men that I know are very physical creatures. They'll, you know, we'll come in, we'll hug, we'll, you know, do handshakes or do the, you know, whatever, just stuff like that. And so it's just kind of embedded in the greetings and in the, the culture. Um, so anyway, the article goes on and it, uh, goes into a little subsection called men's resistance to reaching out. Uh, and it says, in discussions of this issue with various male participants or patients in my practice, they routinely describe how reaching out to make social contact leaves them feeling vulnerable, open to rejection. They fear appearing emasculated. 
and then it says, note, these boys and men are progressive when it comes to issues of social justice and female equality. Despite being woke, they have in quotation marks, they continue to struggle with their own self-imposed isolation. The damage caused by raising by being raised male in a culture that teaches boys to be stoic and self-sufficient. First of all, it's hilarious that they just like throw in despite being woke. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I don't know. They're kind of really like in this bit, they're really leaning into that idea that all men were raised to be like stoic and hard and 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 all that. But uh, I will say this paragraph does make one valuable point, though, with one little phrase, um, self-imposed isolation. Right now, I understand that there is a need to social distance right now. I totally get that and wearing a mask and all of that stuff. I understand we are uh we are in a pandemic. But there is a balance to be struck between isolating yourself into misery and like going out and standing 6 feet apart wearing a mask and interacting with friends, right? You're not I don't know. There's a balance to be struck there and self-imposed isolation is definitely definitely what is happening and and definitely is that it's almost self-imposed de- depression in some cases if this is the root cause of it right if if you were a so very social being for example and you went out a lot and now you are are condemning yourself to your house and um not going out and you're depressed because of that then it's like well maybe okay maybe there's a line to be struck between going out and being social and staying in right um, or going out and reaching out, first of all, reaching out to other friends and stuff, since that's kind of what they're focusing on. Um, but the article then goes on to, to say that, uh, as one young man puts it, drop me in a crowd and I can work the room, but if I have to reach out on the phone or email, I feel disgusting. Others explain that initiating social contact makes them feel like they are begging for something. Uh, <laughs> I think disgusting. I don't know why they use disgusting there. I don't even know. I'm so I don't I don't really resonate with that part at all, to be honest. I mean, I'm sure that there is that is something. I'm not denying you know his experience of feeling that. I'm just saying. But if I mean if that's the case that you feel disgusting just from reaching out, initiating social contact via email or phone, that's if you feel disgusting, that's a negative experience. That's not a good thing. And that's nobody's fault but your own by creating unrealistic expectations of yourself and of those around you, right? Like that's not a healthy thing to be in that situation, right? And and, and later on in this article, there is a section where it says like, what can men do? So we'll, we'll get there. But, you know, just... I, I don't know. I think it's interesting that they use disgusting. That's an interesting, or the, not, I mean, it's, it's not like the writer used that. That's a quote from a guy, but it's just a, I feel like that's a little over the top is my point. So anyway, the article goes on. Um, normally experiencing a need for something provides us with the motivation to get it. We feel hungry. And so we find something to eat. And when it says we, it's meaning like men, right? But when boys and men feel a need for, oh, it says right there, when boys and men feel a need for a social connection, the competing need to feel self-sufficient kicks in feeling compelled to, to be self-reliant. They may disown their need for social contact. Okay. 
Interesting. So it's basically just saying that instead of when that need comes up, it, it becomes, okay, well, let's weigh the options, let's weigh the needs. And typically, subconsciously, even in some cases, I would think the need for self-sufficiency, figuring out your own problems, feeding yourself, having your own shelter, finding, you know, things like that, uh, being self-reliant overcomes this need to be like filling a social, a social connection hole. Right. And, uh, I don't know. I, I do like that a paragraph. I think that's explained very well there. Um, but then in the next par- paragraph, it goes on for many males experiencing the need for connection leaves them feeling inadequate. They feel un- unworthy of the very connection they yearn for. Worse yet for some, having the need itself suggests to them that they may have already been rejected. They are alone because others aren't seeking them out. Feeling rejected and emasculated by their need, they are paralyzed to take action. Though the rise in male suicides and drug addiction in- in- indicates that men have been suffering under the patriar- patriarchal notions of male, s- male self-sufficiency and stoicism since before the pandemic, the pandemic seems to have worsened their plight. Yeah, uh, I think this this is very interesting. It's kind of fascinating to think how think that you know so often we focus on how men and women appear unequal and how men receive special treatment in some situations. Um, I don't know, you know, different, just depending on what you're talking about, you know, workplace stuff, people talk a lot about wage inequalities and different things like that. Um, but it's kind of interesting to think about how, and, it, and this is a little bit of a different way to, to look at it, obviously, but it's kind of interesting to think about how the burden of that high expectation affects men's psychology. And that's not to throw a pity party for men at all. I'm just saying there, there is a real concern there. And I, and I mean, that's backed up by the, by the suicide numbers, like it says in the paragraph. Um, I know that, I mean, I personally have felt and experienced a certain kind of weight from feeling like I have this uh, ability or I have this kind of open slate and ability to kind of do whatever. Um, and I want to do something significant. Uh, you know, I want to whatever, go, go help make the world a better place and make a lot of money and all that stuff. You know, there's like all this, you know, there's a little bit of social pressure or a certain amount of social pressure or whatever, varying levels of that put on you in order to provide and invest and do something for a family someday. And it's kind of a really interesting social pressure that I feel like uh, isn't talked about a lot or isn't thought about a lot. And they they mention it here, and I think that's very. It's just kind of interesting to think about, um, and, and more importantly, more more inter- more important to be aware of, right? If that's something that you're experiencing. So the article then goes into two little paragraphs to, about stories of um, a couple of. Uh, these two different guys. So John's story, a fear of seeming intrusive or needy. John is a manager at a tech startup. He is exhausted by his workday's endless stream of Zoom calls. Since working from home, he has worked hard to motivate his supervisees. He feels that it is important to provide them with a sense of connection that allows them to feel a part of the collective work of the company while isolated at home. As we explored what was missing for him, he explained that he relied on having casual contact with other managers running different departments. These contacts had been vital to giving him a clear sense of how his work fit in with the greater mission of the company. 
yeah, that's crucial. Having those little conversations just helps you stay in line with like what your part of the whole breakdown is at a company. Um, I don't know why it's so hard to, and then it goes on. I don't know why it's so hard to send emails and ask people what they're up to, but I put them off. It's so much easier to just catch up with people in the break room to get a sense of what was going on. He explains, it's the activation energy that makes me feel exhausted. And I think this is so true. I mean, I've been working at my current job for about a year now, almost exactly a little over a year. And most of that has been online, like doing Zoom or WebEx and stuff like that. And it's it's really hard to gauge how people feel about everything. You know what I mean? Um, and not when you're on video calls, but it's, I mean, especially, it's especially difficult when I'm more speaking about emails and text messages and stuff, but it's especially difficult when it's the manager reaching out to see how your work is going and stuff like that. And in those interactions, you kind of lose all of the body language that, uh, and that whole form of connection. And so it's really easy to read way too far into, into emails or messages that you get and take them the wrong way or, or whatever, because you know what they say is like ninety something percent, eighty something percent of communication is all through nonverbal, right? Um, nonverbal things, body language, and and stuff like that. And so, when you're just doing emails and messages and uh, stuff like that, you're not getting, or even just phone calls without video, you're not getting any body language, no facial expressions, none of that, and it just really affects how people are able to disseminate between information or disseminate between people's feelings or emotions about things, right? Um, so it goes on, exploring this, we realized that activation energy was was code for the emotional struggle he has to go through, and this is the John guy, that John has to go through in order to reach out to his peers. Feeling depleted, tending to his supervisees, he longs to connect with his peers, but he fears being intrusive or appearing needy. The activation energy is the extra effort, the emotional work of battling his shame and fear that he must achieve before contacting his peers. And, and then there's one more story it has. It's, uh, it says Andrew's story. Missing activities means little contact. Um, and it says Andrew, an adolescent who has done the majority of his socializing opportunistically, uh, he has made friends with, uh, let's see, he has made friends with uh, of the guys who are in his classes at school and in their choir practice, but he rarely got together with them outside of these activities. The pandemic has been a social desert for him. I like that they used social desert. It's kind of, I don't know, it's just like pretty well, pretty well put, I think. Uh, with no track record of reaching out to friends he he uh, to get together a chat, he doesn't feel comfortable doing it during the pandemic. Puts feel comfortable in quotations. huh? I guess it's what his words were. He doesn't feel comfortable. He fears that he would... Uh, that he would seem to his peers if he were to reach out and openly express his need for connection, so... Oh, he would seem weird to his peers. So he keeps himself locked up in his fortress of solitude, suffering alone. And then here's the end. It says, what can men do, right? What can men do? It is important for men to realize that reaching out to... Uh, uh, well, actually, before we get into that, I was just realizing... I was just thinking about Andrew's story, and there was a note I made that I wanted to... Uh, I, I mean, I can really... I don't know. I can I could sort of really relate to what he was saying there. Um if sometimes with myself, but, but also just seeing another, another, like in other people, um, I typically am 
one of the people in my groups or in my group that sort of organizes stuff a lot of times. Um, but I, I have noticed that oftentimes in organizing, it can be very difficult to get people to commit to something or to just leaving the house in general. And I mean, I def, so I just, I definitely experienced that too. Just, and, and that's not for me to say that I'm some, I'm, I'm good at reaching out and I'm, I'm perfect at, at, uh, you know, planning and organizing and getting everybody together and, and all of that. But, uh, I mean, for example, one thing that I'm no good at is once sometimes I'll reach out and if everybody, nobody says hardly anything, I'll just give up. Right. That's, that's it. All right. Nobody wants to do anything, whatever. Right. And there's no, there's no, um, second effort, I suppose, or direct effort, because a lot of times these are in group, group, like groups, group chats and things like that. So, um, it's really interesting. I could definitely relate to this, I think. And, and there's even some situations that I've been in where it's like, eh, I don't want to reach out to that person. That would be like weird, right? That'd be weird. Everybody's just in their thing. They're doing their thing. And it's like, no, it's nice to reach out. It is. And, and, and I have to tell myself that a lot, but, uh, Anyway, moving into this this last bit, what can men do? It's important for men to realize that reaching out for a social connection might mean confronting a hidden belief that we are supposed to be able to go it alone and not ask for help. Here are some things to keep in mind. Acknowledge how the social and cultural influences that have taught us to go it alone, suffer in silence, dominated our childhoods, and continue to this day. Okay. Accept that we are social animals deserving of emotional support. Act with courage to champion our needs despite the fear of shame and appearing needy. Other men will most likely be glad we reached out. If they're not, we just need to move on to the next. At a time when opportunistic socializing is not available, males in our culture are faced with a hidden opportunity to learn ways of interacting, new ways of interacting. The shame of appearing needy is a relic of the patriarchal past that lingers in many of us. To overcome it, we must fight our need for connection with the courage to act in the face of fear and shame. If you recognize yourself in this post and continue to struggle with this, remember there is no shame in reaching out to a therapist. And that's how it wraps it up. I really like the way that it wraps it up there, though. Um... And I think that there is an immense value in understanding that you deserve respect from yourself. And I like that they kind of, um, well, and, and, and you really owe it to yourself, right? And in so doing, you respect the fact that you have needs and that you are a social creature to some varying degree, right? And, um, and I like that they mentioned that other men will notice because they will. I really think they will. And I think a lot of other people will notice, just men, women, anybody in general. Um, and they'll take that to heart. And they might do it too. And if that happens, that's huge. That's just a butterfly effect. But it's, it's interesting to think about the idea that, that, uh, you know, the, the solutions aren't just take a pill and, and you'll solve the problem. It's interesting to think that really what has to happen is there has to be something within you that has to decide, Hey, you know, here's what we're doing. We're doing this and it needs to change. There has to be some sort of outset that you choose. And, and that's because there's only the only person who's really going to be able to help or solve the situation is yourself. Nobody can force you to do anything, right? And sometimes you have to fake it till you make it, but that's just how it goes. So maybe it's just the older I get, but I just feel like that you don't have time to worry about what others think about you all the time, right? There is a level of, 
there's a healthy level of concern to have about what others think of you, right? If you walk outside naked, that's not like there is a healthy level of concern with like social laws and having and worrying about what people think of you, right? But overthought and over interpersonality will just leave you racked and it will leave you hopeless. And I say this not because I'm some master of not caring what others think of me. I say this out of experience from being really bad at spending way too much time thinking about what others will think of me. And so I believe it's something that we're kind of all at war with to some degree and probably always will be to some level. And, and that's just, it's just how it is. And so, you know, it may not feel like a lot to, to, or it may feel like a lot during the pandemic to, to have to get up and like go reach out to people or even, even just to like go to the store or something, um, or into work or something like that. But I tell you what, it's, it always seems to be worth it when I've, when I've done it. Cause I spend a lot of time at home, but every time I go out to work or every time I can reach out, it always seems to be worth it to some, in some way. And I know that I usually end up enjoying myself when I do that. So in fact, I often feel, feel like oftentimes it's more meaningful since it's not something that happens all that often anymore. And so, yeah, remember just reach out to people. If they don't respond, who cares? You tried and you never know. You never know what the impact might have. And especially now more than ever, uh, society needs people to be spontaneous and, 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 and candid in their, in their communication with one another. And so, um, I think that's where I'm going to wrap up this episode. Uh, if you've enjoyed listening, be sure to follow Bed Letter on whatever platform you prefer. Remember that you can check out my blog and a whole bunch of other projects that I work on over at cashleman.com. C-A-S-H-L-I-M-A-N.com. And if you are super inclined, I actually have a Patreon, like I said earlier, where I have details about the services I offer in editing, tutoring, and mentoring, mostly in regards to English and writing, but uh, there's a couple other things as well. And as I said, all this info can be found on my website, cashleman.com. So thank you so much for tuning in. I really, really, really appreciate it. I hope you guys all have an awesome week, and I'll see you next time on Bed Letter.